The Hill Country Patriot. He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on another winter morning in the hill country. And yeah, I got my shorts and t-shirt on today. That's, uh, man, that's the kind of hill country winter I like. Love being in my short pants. Maybe one of these days when I grow up, I'll wear long pants. And that, uh, I think that's the cutoff. Going from short pants to long pants was when you, uh, become a responsible adult. Well, I've got a long ways to go. So, um, folks, uh, if I don't remember, be nice to the tourists. It is, I already had a tourist issue this morning. Yes, I did. And I, I caught myself and, uh, I was really nice and, uh, I dealt with it and I got around them when I could. But yep, it's that time of the week and, uh, they're all coming into town and they want to shop from their cars as they drive down the road. We've seen that, so be patient, be kind. You may find yourself a stranger in a strange land someday, and uh, would like to be uh, treated a little uh, treated well. So it is. Uh, there are sixty-five days till primary voting starts. Sixty-five days. Are you hooked up with a candidate? Are you hooked up with someone? Listen. Work for an incumbent. Work for a challenger. I personally believe that the vast majority of incumbents in the Texas House, as well as the uh, Senate, as well as the governor and lieutenant governor's office, those guys, uh, it's time for them uh, to move on. They let us down severely in uh, the last couple of years. And uh, so I think some of these incumbents need to go. And we need to get some new blood in there that will fight fight for your rights not just say yeah we'll vote the right way when the time comes no we need people who will defend and fight for your rights from the get-go so are you working for a candidate yet have you volunteered for a candidate yet 65 days until primary voting starts man i've got a great uh, interview with you i got to um interview seth keschel yesterday afternoon and uh, here in a minute, we're going to play that um, recording. Uh, Seth is going to be in for in Kerrville on Monday evening. We're looking forward to that. You can still uh, sign up for that, get tickets, uh, if you will. Go to Seth Keschel Kerrville dot r s v p i f y dot com. Seth Keschel Kerrville dot r-s-v-p-i-f-y dot com or open up your Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter that you received this last Monday and it's real easy just click on the link right there and it'll take you to that so that is uh, the meet and greet or the mix and mingle whatever you want to call it goes uh, starts at five it's going to be at 521 Guadalupe Street there is a uh, community center there, 521 Guadalupe Street in Kerrville. Going to be a wonderful evening just with my visit with Seth Keschel yesterday, which you're going to get to hear in a minute. Was uh, It just, uh, yeah, 
we've got some information that you're uh, really going to like to see firsthand and not have someone else tell you about it. Speaking of that, my wife and I watched uh, a program last night that I want to highly, highly, highly recommend, highly recommend that you go check this out sometime over the weekend. I would check it out as soon as possible. Um, I hate it when somebody uh, sends you an email and they say, oh, you better go look at this before it gets pulled down. You know, that's uh, that's kind of clickbait is all that is. Is there, uh, you know, it's like, oh, we saw this video. You better go watch it for Yahoo and before Google and Facebook takes it down. That's really clickbait. And so, however, I'm going to fall for it. You need to go watch FauciLiedSpecial.com before YouTube pulls it down. Um, yeah, like I said, I hate it when that uh, people say that, but uh, yeah, I'm going to use that line, FauciLiedSpecial.com. It will take you directly to a YouTube channel, and there you will find a video that lays out the evidence that um, it's pretty scary stuff, that the, the not only the... Um, you need to watch it. I'm not even going to go into it. Fauci lied special dot com. An update from an update from yesterday's story. We talked about the hotline that the governor had uh, installed for um, to let you know that if you got fired for um, if you got fired for your uh, for not taking the jab. That uh, good old Governor Abbott man, he was right there. He wants to find out who these people are, and so he created a a special hotline just for you. We talked about it yesterday. Guess what? We have found out since then that that number is not a special hotline. It was not set up. That number, all it does is takes you to the Texas Workforce Commission. And so when you get there, it says, thank you for calling the Texas Workforce Commission for English Press 1. And it goes through three options, um, none of which have anything to do with the hot, with, with, with turning in your uh, boss who just fired you. It, uh, it, it's just the Texas Workforce line. In fact, uh, somebody called and got a, a human on the line yesterday and they didn't even know that that number had been sent out by the governor to be the hotline. So there you go. Craziness, craziness. The hotline is not so hot. Um, got a quick uh, Ben Franklin for you, and then we're going to uh, cut out of here. we got a, a packed show today. We're going to have Robert West at the bottom of the hour. You need to pay attention to this guy. This is going to be interesting. So here's uh, Ben Franklin do not do that which you would not have known. Don't do that which you don't want anybody to know about. Just don't do it. See, you'll be better off. Folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with my interview with Seth Keschel. The Hill Country Patriot. Okay, folks, I have on the line with me Mr. Seth Keschel. Seth, welcome to the Matt Long Show. All right, Matt, great to be with you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and thank you for taking the time. Listen, we got to know your name just recently because of your involvement with the Reawakening America Tour 
And uh, we had a, b- a bunch of my friends went and saw you in San Antonio, and then they would just not leave me alone when they got back. They said, we got to get Seth Cashel here. we got to get Seth Cashel here. So I'm real excited. And, and listeners, we're going to have uh, – we've been talking about this for a week, but uh, – uh, towards the end of this, we'll give you more details on how you can come here, Seth, in person, yourself, this coming Monday in Kerrville. So, Seth, um, I'm going to start. Uh, President Donald Trump made a statement about you, and I want to just open up with that. Um, he said this on August 3rd. He said, highly respected Army Intelligence Captain Seth Keschel has just released his report on national fraud numbers with respect to the 2020 presidential election. I don't personally know Captain Keschel, but these numbers are overwhelming, election-changing, and according to Keschel, could even be bigger in that they did not account for cyber-flipping of votes. They show I won the election by a lot. Now watch the Democrats coalesce, defame, threaten, investigate, jail people, and do whatever they have to do to keep the truth from surfacing and let the Biden administration continue to get away with destroying our country. The irregularities and outright fraud of this election are an open wound to the United States of America. Something must be done immediately. Wow, Seth, man, that's an amazing statement coming from the president. So you have the goods on the election. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what you've got. What I have is a continuation of my research from 2016. Very few know this, but I called 50 out of 50 states accurately in 2016. Mm. I was not a well-known commodity at that time. But I used my proprietary methods, and they're not all completely hidden from, from what people know about research and forecasting. Remember, remember polling is conducted by people who are – fundamentally dishonest and they're trying to steer certain outcomes but i predicted all 50 states correctly using basic models considering voter registration voter registration by party population growth and most importantly voter behavior there's only about six different types of counties in the united states and the way they trend and i found uh, a secret really in ohio when the media began to concede that trump would carry ohio comfortably in 2016 that there was no way he was going to carry Ohio handily and then lose Pennsylvania and Michigan handily, if at all. So that was what led me to my predictions, and I re, I resurrected those predictions in 2020, my forecasting methods, and I was one of very few to call Florida to Trump at over 300,000 votes in 2020. And Pennsylvania and Michigan always move in the same direction as Florida and have since 1932, so when they backed off to the left, I knew that something was up. And over the course of the last few months, I've rolled out analysis of the over 3,100 independent cities and counties in the United States and made an estimate based on the similar modeling I showed in Florida of exactly how many more votes than possibly optimistically forecast Biden actually has. And my conservative number is 8 million nationally is probably 15 to 20 million. Wow. That, those are, those are huge numbers. What, um, and in fact, this is this is what's going to be exciting about Monday night in Kerrville is that you're going to go through a lot of those numbers and really lay them out. I've heard several interviews with you, and at some point you get to the point where you say, "Look, folks, it just makes it just makes sense when you look at these numbers that something's not working right." What, uh, what, Seth? What makes you an expert? Um, why, why should we trust uh, your take on this? It's either me or the media, 
And you uh, might understand that this is the same mainstream media that um, seems to think that it's okay to publish polls nationally showing Biden or Clinton beating Trump by double digits when Obama's landslide in 2008 was only seven points. Right. But also the same media that had Wisconsin going to Biden by 17 points. Now, they were only off by 16 and a half points in the certified results, but more likely off by about 21 points in real results. So um, I have a proven track record of being accurate. They have a proven track record of rigging polls to support end outcomes of elections. So one of the things that uh, I remember hearing you say on another interview was that um, worried about illegals voting. Is that is? Did I hear you correctly that illegally cast uh, votes or votes cast by people who are not um, uh, citizens of the country? Do you think that those could turn an election? Do you believe those numbers are big enough to turn an election? One of the things that has been withheld from everyone is a full canvas. Now, obviously, forensic audits are what people talk about. Those take a long time. They take a lot of money. They require political capital to get rolling. Now, Representative Toth here in Texas has a bill supporting or backing audits in the state's 13 largest population counties, which will take a significant amount of time and energy and money and is worthwhile. But canvassing also is the way that mail ballot fraud is spotted very easily and voter registration roll fraud. So one of the common things that we've seen throughout the states, including in Texas, are absolutely bloated voter rolls. So when you have a bloated voter roll, you can have more people turn out electronically or by mail. So, for example, in in Bear County, in 2012, the voter roll shrank by almost 3,000 net voters. So people were not turning out for the Romney-Obama re-election. And then in 2016, you can see a gain of 141,000 net registered voters and now 130,000 net registered voters between 2016 and 2020. So in all the major counties in Texas, the major urban strongholds in Texas, the population is growing, but the voter roll growth is booming. 240-plus thousand two years in a row in Harris County. You can see it even in the suburban counties. 19,000 net voters in 2012 in Denton County, and now in 2020, 100,000 net new registered voters. So the voter rolls are booming. We don't know that all of the voters are actually real is the problem. Mm. So talk to me about some of the uh, uh, the, the country. Um, I just lost the word. The uh, non-urban, non-suburban, the rural. There's the word I'm looking for. Talk to me about rural counties. And do you see any, any – do you feel like there's fraud going on in rural counties, in, in particular states or across the country? What do you see in rural counties? Absolutely there is. We were looking at a few counties over in Georgia this week that you have a small population base. But, of course, you're talking about a, a state that was won supposedly by 12,646 votes that looked for the first time in 28 years in which the Republican incumbent Donald Trump had a record vote gain. That's not the most common outcome. Right. So we see a couple thousand votes that appear to be off, and this is predictable based on party identification and party registration, which they don't have in Georgia, but it can be inferred and modeled off of nearby states and similar populations. This is a county, you know, a number of counties there that Trump trended much stronger than Romney and then went on with a red Republican vote gain this year only to lose margin because there's more votes coming in from the bottom. So you don't need to get all your votes out of your Atlanta's. You can get a few out of the losing column, and counties are going to lose, and they get much closer to let Atlanta 
metro area do its thing. And the same thing in Texas, a blue Texas is not that far off. People need mm-hmm. to understand that if we don't get ahead of election fraud in Texas, the state will probably flip in 2028. Mm-hmm. You can see the Republican margins going from 17 points for Romney to nine points for Trump, which could have been organic because Trump had a Ted Cruz grudge in Texas the first time he ran. Right. He didn't have a conservative track record. You had a lot of soft suburban moderates voting third party or voting for Clinton even. And then this year, Trump gained by far and away what is a Republican record vote gain in Texas. He gained 1.2 million new votes. Wow. Most, ele- most election gurus were wondering if Trump would hit 5 million votes in Texas. He got 5.9 million votes in Texas. And a lot of that was found on the backs of the Hispanic working class. So the only way you're going to pick up the Hispanic vote like that and even improve with black males and only win the state of Texas by five and a half points is to get clobbered with the backbone of the Texas GOP, which is a suburban moderate base. And what we see in the numbers is that Trump far surpassed any previous vote gains in the Collin and Denton counties of Texas, only to get caught from behind and win them by much less. He blew out his previous vote gains in Williamson and Hayes counties and Tarrant County, only to lose those counties for the first time in many decades. Mm. Wow. So let, let, let me switch over for a second. I mean, Man, this is, folks, this is a preview of Monday. And uh, the folks that have heard Seth speak at the Reawaken America tour, are they, they can't wait for the rest of us to hear this. Uh, let me switch over to primaries for just a second. We, um, I'm, I'm real big on pushing, trying to get voter turnout in the primaries. And, and in Texas, we do not, we, we have open primaries. Um, and I've heard a lot of my friends say we need to have closed primaries. I'm kind of up in the air about that. What 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 do you think about closed or open primaries? And do you see, do you think that the Democrats would come over in an open primary and carry enough weight by voting in the Republican primary? Do you see that as a as a, as a possibility? You can run into issues with that if you get down to a runoff situation. So in a standard in a standard election, especially if the the White House is going to be open, like in 2016 where both parties were trying to nominate their candidate for president, you're not going to see a significant, a substantial amount of people crossing over to play games with the primary vote. But in states where you have runoff scenarios, Mississippi in 2014 comes. Mississippi also does not have party registration. They have open primaries. And they had Dad Cochran, who was the rhino Republican establishment figure in the Senate for many years from Mississippi, who ran in a primary against a lawyer from Mississippi, a Tea Party enthusiast named Chris McDaniel. And McDaniel beat him in the primary but did not hit 50% because there were multiple candidates in the field. Mm-hmm. And what happened was it was a primary between Cochran and McDaniel, and then the Mississippi establishment GOP went and signed up Democrats to go vote in the runoff between Cochran and McDaniel and Cochran barely won. So I'm I'm in favor of closed primaries personally. And it also would make my job a little bit easier in terms of analytics because then we would have party registration which would help me gauge how our counties are trending. All right. There you go. Strike from Seth Keschel. Listen, he's got a, a website, uh Captain C A P T K dot com. C A P T K dot com. Y'all go check that out also 
if you can get to Dallas, if you can get to Dallas this weekend, I was there last weekend. I really don't want to go back this weekend. <laughs> but if you can get to Dallas this weekend, the um, the this uh, reawakening Clay Clark's Reawaken America tour is going to be in Dallas. And Seth, you're going to be speaking at that several times. I understand. I'll be speaking tomorrow afternoon early. I'll be painting the national election picture for those who have not yet seen the irrefutable points of the national election. And then the next day on Saturday, I'll be presenting the Texas-specific information because there are so many among us asleep about this issue. Yeah, boy, that is so true. Well, Mr. Cashel, we are very excited to have you in the, the Hill Country on Monday. And, uh, folks, uh, you, you need to sign up for this. Go to Seth Cashel, Kerrville dot r-s-v-p-i-f-y dot com or open up your fredericksburg tea party newsletter and uh, you can click a link that'll get you right to the tickets for the seth cashel event monday in kerrville seth thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, busy schedule to visit with our listeners today you bet matt i appreciate you having me on Folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. And uh, I have on the line with me right now a special guest, a gentleman by the name of Robert West. Mr. West, welcome to the Matt Long Show. Great to be here, Matt. Um, listen, you and I visited, I don't know, I'm try- we were trying to figure it out. It was a couple of months ago. You called me, made a, I think made a cold call or something, got my number from someone, and we had a great visit, and I kind of filed you away on my desk and for uh, for some reason or another, um, just last week, someone said, look, Robert West, and your name started popping up. And so I said, you know, I'm going to get a hold of this guy. Folks, I am very impressed with the following website. You need to go check this out, the5starplan.com, the5starplan.com, and spell out the number five. Go check this out. And... Um, and pay attention to what is there is more good information on that website i'm telling you you have a plan that that you say that if we follow this plan conservatives can take back the state of texas would you give us an outline of this plan the floor is yours mr west absolutely uh last time we had a governor's uh primary only about one and a half million people bothered to show up and vote in it and and after a primary, so often we're faced with a choice between tuberculosis and cancer. <laughs> it's, it's like two junkies negotiating over a plastic spoon. Who cares who wins or loses, right? Mm. But in the primary, we can pick good people, people that we trust. And and that primary is, I mean, it's it's essential. And what the plan basically calls for is if you agree with it, you train up, you meet, you talk to, you engage five people and get five people who didn't vote in the last primary to vote in the one that's coming up. And you'll see how quickly things can change. You know, one of the things I was doing some research because primary voting has been just been the craw, just been the craw in my saddle for a long time now. Because when you start looking at the numbers, and I have uh, the uh, Secretary of State uh, website. 
you can go back and look at all the uh, voter turnout, all that data going all the way back to 1970 is online. If you want to go further back than that, I think you have to go to the library or something. But one of the things that stands out regular as clockwork in Republicans voting in the primary are two sets of numbers and one anomaly. What you see in the last 30 years is we either have about 5 or 6% of registered voters turn out in a primary or the number is 10%. 10 to 11 percent and it kind of depends on who is in the white house and then the one anomaly was in 2016 and we had about 22 percent voter turnout uh, registered voters turnout to vote in the republican primary given those not let's say you throw the high one out throw the high and the low out and we somewhere come in somewhere in the last 30 years being around seven or eight percent voter turnout in a primary bob go run with that well when you show up and vote in a primary you're actually representing 10 or 11 other people Mm. uh it's a it's a huge responsibility i I come from a family of veterans my my grandfather uh, fought world war one my my dad fought world war two I had an older brother off the coast of Korea. An older brother got a Purple Heart in the 70s. Me and my little brother were in the Gulf. Uh, both of my children served, uh, one in the Army, one in the Marine Corps. And and we know as a family how valuable that vote is and what it costs other people. And and to just give that vote away with no thought or, or to not use it at all is, is just an insult to all those people that didn't make it back. Mm. It, it absolutely is. Listen, we're we're there's a lot of us hoping for a runoff this year uh, in the governor's race, and I'm I'm not going to speak for you, but uh, looking at your website, I'm thinking you're uh, aiming for that as well. Um, and here is even the scarier numbers, uh, Mr. West, in a runoff in a primary runoff. Are you ready for this? Republican voter turnout is around two to three. In some years, it has been less than 2% in the runoff. Absolutely. Well, this time around, we're using a little different formula. If if you paid attention last time, Brian Slayton won his uh, race using a very specific formula. He was very popular at one end of his district. One of his best friends and somebody he agrees with uh, was, was very popular at the other end of the district. And they ran for the same office, not as opponents, not as enemies, but as teammates. Uh, and they firmly believed that if either one of them w- won, it was far better than who was in office at the time. And when you use that formula of two cooperating strong candidates concentrating in the area where they're strongest, then when it comes to the run out, runoff, those two people's backers come together and that beats the incumbent a little over 87% of the time. You know, we I was looking at the Ted Cruz numbers. Uh, the Dewhurst Cruz election went to a runoff, and I believe that was in 2012. Man, I took a whole page of notes last night. I've done this this whole all these numbers several times, and so I kind of have them in my head. 
but I went last night and I gave me a whole page of notes and I left them all on my desk at home. So <laughs> the um, but I do have a pretty good memory on these. So Dewhurst, um, there were about eight or nine people in the Dewhurst cruise race in 2012. People it in 2012 and uh, it ended up with Dewhurst uh, not getting 50 percent, and so there was going to be a runoff. But he was 10 points, 10 percent points over over Ted Cruz, and so if you were looking at that, you would say, well, Dewhurst is just going to beat the living daylights out of him in the runoff. Well, what happened is Cruz being down 10 points in the runoff, he actually won by 13%, so he gained 23% of the of the votes uh, going into the runoff, and that had to be all those other six candidates or whatever that number was, that had to be them and their voters getting together behind Ted Cruz. So that my point is, not only is the primary important because your vote counts for 10 or 11 people, but in the runoff, for crying out loud, you're voting for maybe even 20 or 30 or 40 people. Yeah, definitely. The other thing going on, and, and you notice that even though he was 10% down, he, he wound up so far over. It's almost a sports team mentality at times. Uh, when when that team beats your team, then you start re- rooting for that team that beat your team because, well, you don't want to be in third place. You want to be in second place. That's right. And and that's what happens. And, and look at the quality of people we get when we have an open field. Look how we wound up with a trunk. Mm. Uh, we had 17 people. Right. We had 17 people to pick from. We had good people. And and we all picked our own, but when it came down to it, the very best person in that field got elected, and it wasn't based on experience. Boy, isn't that true? This guy didn't even have much of a. Uh, we just played a Seth Keschel interview uh, right before this, and and he was saying that we 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 had a guy running that didn't even have any uh, conservative credentials um, in the name of uh, Mr. Trump, and uh, he he uh, he made that in. So the um, so the importance of voting in the primary. Listen, you just said something that we've been uh, we've been talking about on this program We're, for a long time now. We have in in the state of Texas, it has been I can't even remember when we had this many amazing choices in the primary. I, I mean, amazing choices in the primary from the governor's office on down. Even locally, and uh, Mr. West, you may not know our local districts here. They are 73 and 19, House District 73 and newly drawn, uh, no, I'm sorry, 53 and newly drawn 19. And even in those two House districts, we have great candidates running in the primaries. And so we can't stress enough how important it is that you get three or four or five friends to go with you to vote in the primaries and then for crying out loud get them out there for the uh, get them out there for the runoff i want to give your website again because i'm going to go over a couple of the tabs in here the five star plan.com the five star plan.com um you write a blog occasionally i'm looking down here it seems like maybe uh what once a month or so and I started looking through your blog articles, and I was just reading the headlines, and each one of them made me want to go read the blog article, and that's a little unusual. Tell us about your uh, la- latest one. It's called Volunteer for Political Campaigns. 
Tell us about that blog uh, that you wrote. Well, this is something that, that, that's near and dear to my heart. If you go out and you complain about what's going on, but you only show up and vote, and then you complain that your guy didn't get elected or your gal didn't, didn't get elected, well, how many doors did you knock? How many phone calls did you make? Uh, we're all busy. But right now, we've got a million people overseas defending our freedom. I know that these people can find a weekend. These people can find a Saturday or an afternoon where they can do something, bring the kiddos with them. And that time is far more valuable than a 5 or 10 or $50 donation. Uh, I just had a gentleman uh, contact me, and we just endorsed Shelley Luther for uh, House District 62. And he said, I'm down in Tyler. But I love what she stands for. I love the fact that she went to jail first before getting into politics. <laughs> and I'm willing to make 200 phone calls for her if she'll send me the numbers and the script. And I contacted her and I let her know. And she was just, she was just wowed by it. She goes, you know how much paying somebody to make 200 phone calls would cost? Mm. And I said, yeah, we, we can't fight the machine when it comes to money. But we can fight them with numbers, and we can fight them with people, and we can fight them with effort. You know, one of the uh, is the, the years I've been engaged, um, one of the things that scares people the most is uh, people are absolutely afraid to, excuse me, people are absolutely afraid to go knock on strangers' doors and make phone calls to strangers. I was that way as well. The first time I did a phone bank, it was like, all right, I committed to this. I'm going to get through one page of numbers and, and then say I did my job and move on. And uh, before I got halfway through that page, Mr. West, I realized I was having a lot of fun and enjoying it. And it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Engaging in conversations with uh, folks on the phone was, was not as hard as it was going to be. Did I get hang-ups? Yes. Did I get people, uh, you know, that uh, that said, oh, I'm, I'm a Democrat or whatever, and hang up? I absolutely did. But the conversations that came along with people that wanted to visit were absolutely a blast. And, uh, and then yesterday I was at a steering committee meeting for a patriot group down in uh, Kerrville, and they were talking about door knocking and the, the idea of, oh, man, I, I've never done that. I don't know if I can knock on doors, and then one of the ladies spoke up and said, you know, I had so much fun door knocking and was so shocked at how many people actually wanted to stand on the porch and visit with me. So how do you how do you get people to get over that hump of the fear of door knocking and making phone calls? Do you have a, do you have a, a magic wand for that? Absolutely. It's to do it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that's the scariest part. The first time you jumped off the high dive board, the first roller coaster you were ever on, the first time you went on a date, you're never going to be as scared the second, third, fourth time as you were that first time. And and if you don't want to do it starting off with politics, do it for your church. Mm. Uh, go door knocking, and, and just on your own, you don't need permission to do good. You, you should go knock, knock 20 doors and say, hey, I'd really like to see you at my church on Sunday. We'd love to have you there. Mm. And and nobody should really be scared of that. They're going to say yes or they're going to say no. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it will change your mind if you'll just go block walking once and go with someone who's already done it. And and um, and that way you can have a little confidence. You can stand back and and see how they do it. Um, Mr. West, we need to take a short break. Can you stick around with us? I want to talk about precinct 
uh, chair elections this year in in uh, Texas. This is going to be very, very important. Can you stick around with us for a minute? Oh, absolutely, Matt. All right, folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about uh, precinct chair election changes this year and how important that is. All right, folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. I have on the line with me uh, Mr. Robert West. And um, if you have not gone to the5starplan.com yet, go there. Check it out, the5starplan.com. Spell out the number 5, F-I-V-E, the5starplan.com. Check it out. On the front page, you will find a tab that says Resources. And under that tab, you will find some amazing information. I love your book list. Uh, there's actually two books on there I've never heard about, and I can't wait to get home and look them up. You have some printable stuff. You have links to the important uh, websites for Texas government. And by the way, we have uh, the state of Texas has a great website and presence, but, man, it is crazy to get around in and things are really hidden in there. On this tab for the resources, and we're going to get to precinct uh, chairs here in a minute, but you have an interesting one down there that says Abbott is a tyrant, and then a list of 17 violations of... Are they all constitutional violations by Abbott, uh, Mr. West? So every it's a short list, actually, he keeps adding to it. Uh, I know it, and it's uh, so I'm looking at this, and <clears throat> a tremendous amount of materials. And uh, I take it you're not happy with uh, Abbott's uh, reign uh, recently. No, not at all. Uh, it was it's just an insult to everything that my family fought for for over a hundred years. Uh, we we stand for a limited constitutional republican form of government and he did not maintain that he did not uh, he did not it, when you have one man writing the laws one man enforcing the laws and one man telling judges how to how to rule on those laws that is by no definition a republican form of government and we had that for eight eight months yeah it was uh, it's been bad we've been preaching that tune boy we've been singing that tune here for a long time it's basically Anybody but Abbott in the primaries, and uh, we'll get behind whoever whoever gets him into a runoff. We're all going to get behind. Let's get back to the uh, the importance of precinct chairs and the change in the election for precinct chairs in the Republican Party this year. So, uh, got the floor is yours. Well, the the changes are are this year around, we're not going to pick our precinct chairs in the primaries. We're going to pick them in the primary runoffs. And due to the fact that we don't have runoffs after runoffs, uh, it'll be a plurality, not a majority, that selects our precinct chairs this year. So whoever gets the most votes. So it is very simple to win a precinct chair position. Most people do not vote uh, that far down the list. They skip it. They don't know the names. They don't know even what the job is. And I've known people in contested elections that won with as few as seven votes for them. 
meaning meaning their opponent got less. Mm. So these are very easy to win. They don't cost anything. Uh, you knock on doors. You ask a few people to vote. If you can convince your convince your wife and your child and your best friend next door, you're halfway there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we look at numbers. I'm going to bring it again. The turnout in runoff elections is, I don't even know if I ever even saw it go over 5%. Going back historically, and we don't have runoff elections every year. They only have them when they need them. And uh, this could be very interesting. We're all hoping for a primary runoff with several of these positions, uh, statewide elections. But the fact that they're going to put it on the runoff when you have 2 to 3% of a voter turnout in the runoff elections and they're putting the precinct chair elections on to that vote it just uh it almost seems like it was rigged and planned do you, do, is there anything nefarious in that do you think i think absolutely there is there is no excuse why you would give a precinct chair who at the most has 5,000 registered voters in a precinct in mm. Texas. It varies from 100 registered voters all the way up to 5,000. But there is no reason to give this person six months to campaign. When you give a state senator or a congressman or, or somebody running you know, for, uh, for a statewide office three months to campaign. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. So you have a book out called The Five Star Plan, and again, the five star plan.com folks i'm looking at your goals here the five star plan goals is to energize five million voters in the 2022 republican primary what is the normal and i do not have my notes in front of me what is the normal uh, texas voters republicans in a primary what's that number nor do you have any idea for the yeah, for the primary for governor, it's normally a million and a half. Well, this time around, you've got three million people that Greg Abbott looked in the eye, called non-essential, and put out of work for more than half a year. Uh, I'm really hoping those three million people will show up and return the favor. Yeah, absolutely. He he does need to be unemployed, and uh, we're going to keep pushing that. Uh, <laughs> keep pushing that here. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking at, yeah, a million and a half, uh, let's see, registered voters, 2020 uh, primary. Now, that was a big one, um, and uh, that was 2 million, but that was in 2020. Again, that is a pretty high number uh, compared to uh, in the past. Uh, there's one five, there's barely a million in that one. Um, and so as, you, as I'm just scrolling down these, to go to five million, it, it sounds like you know. Wow, going four times as many as we've had before, or five times, it's not that difficult if you break it down to person by person, right? All that means is, Bob, you need to get four more people to vote in the primary to go with you to vote, and uh, that's it. And if we each do that, we can get that five million. That's not that hard to, of a goal to achieve, is it? Not at all, not at all. If you ask the Republican Party to grow by 400%, they'll laugh at you. But if I ask you to find four people and convince them it's a piece of cake, you can do that with a broadcast. I can do that standing in line at grocery stores. Oh, yeah, and I can do that at church. I, I mean, there's just so many places I can get. And, you know, make a, make a date out of it. When uh, Election Day comes around, get your friends say, hey, we're all going to go have lunch after we vote. <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it's there's so many simple things you can do to do that. Um, 
folks we're uh, pretty much running out of time give us a uh, just give us another a quick rundown uh your elevator speech on the five-star plan what it means and and uh and and why we should buy your book well the book is is, is loaded with basic information it's nothing that i've created personally but I came to the conclusion, I agree with the founders, that professional politicians are a special kind of bad because uh, you should look at office like it's jury duty. I'm willing to do it. I don't want to do it. And anybody that wants to be on a particular jury should never be allowed on that jury. And if your children came to you and go, oh, jury duty is going to be my chosen career path, you, you should look at people who choose <laughs> uh, politics the same way. Right. No, it's not a career. You go back and you learn a living, and you represent the people while you're there. But you don't stay there forever. It's. it's I'm tired of people using it as a stepping stone or a hammock. Mm. Those those offices are sacred. They should be treated that way. Absolutely. Listen, I was. Um, I'm engaged with about three different uh, groups down here in the Hill Country, and uh, I'm encouraging them. I think the three of us are going to get together and try to get you down here into the hill country. Would you be willing to visit the hill country for a day or two here? I, in I would love to do that. I'll bring along uh, Aaron Sorrell as a lieutenant governor candidate that we just endorsed. Uh, if we can get in touch with anybody running in uh, your uh, 53 and 19, we'll be glad to have them show up, and we can we can talk about that. I might even be able to get Don or Chad to show up down there for you. All right, super. All right, um, Mr. West, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule, and um, we'll, we're we're going to be in touch with you again soon. Thank you, sir. Well, I look look forward to it, Matt. Bye bye. All right, bye. So there you go, folks. Listen, I want to encourage you. Um, last night uh, in the meeting I was with with some Hill Country leaders. The, uh, we were talking about, you know, we need to get a list of, of, the, of all the horrible things that Abbott did to us in the last year and a half. And uh, I, I, it was so easy. I said, go to the5starplan.com, click on resources, and scroll down just a little bit, and you will see Abbott is a tyrant. Then you will see the violations button, and it's a real simple list if you go down that and this is good for your friends who are still hanging on to abbott just read this list of 17 you don't have to learn all of them just learn one or two of them and and then you'll be able to uh, use those in discussions with your rhino friends all right it is uh, we are on day 10 of the advent and tomorrow is day 11 so i'm going to read day 10 and 11 if i have enough time uh, in 1978 Disney brought to life the story of an invisible Advent character. Small one. I say invisible because he actually isn't mentioned in the biblical account. However, Mary certainly couldn't walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem while nine months pregnant, so it isn't a giant leap to believe that she probably made the journey on a donkey. This serves as a reminder that sometimes things which are hardly noticeable can be a necessary part of the story. In fact, God seems to specialize in wallflower people, nobodies, and invisible folks. Over 2,500 people are mentioned in the Bible, yet not even 10% would be considered by most as important. However, without those other 90%, most of the big stories in the Bible would never have happened. 
God wove part of his Advent tapestry with priceless threads, baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the angels, but most of it was composed of common threads, this donkey being one. What's the point? Have you ever felt common, invisible, and nobody? I'll bet you have because at one time or another most everyone has felt that way. So does that make it true? Are you invisible? No, you are not. That is what the donkey should remind you of. When God is at the helm, everything and everything and everyone plays a necessary part in his plan. And most importantly, he weaves you into his work of art because he loves you. Will you be a cooperative thread? So that is from day 10, and I definitely do not have enough time to go through day 11, which is tomorrow. So on Monday, we will do day 11, 12, and then Monday's day is 13. Again, I'm getting these from a book called Celebration and Repentance. They are devotional meditations for Advent and Lent. Uh, written by a good friend of mine, Mike Sublett, who I've known for over 30 years. And you can actually get an e-copy of this, I believe, for about $3. And uh, you can still dig into the Advent this season with your family. So, it's weekend. Be nice to the tourists. Oh, for crying out loud, be nice to the tourists. And be nice to Lorraine. She's going to be coming up here in a minute. And... Uh, Whatever she tells you to do, buckle up, buckle down, folks. Pay attention to Lorraine. It's important. Yeah, we'll uh, see you all on Monday.